You are listening to the CMC podcast series, Strong Life. In this exciting new series, the pastors of CMC will impart powerful principles that will enable you to live the strong life that God has destined for you. Now join student pastor Josh Barnett for the message, Strong Will. One thing that that David started this series off with, he said a strong life doesn't just happen. And that's so true. A strong life has to be cultivated. It has to be grown. It has to be developed. You've got to work at it. You've got to uh, water it. You've got to tend it. You've got to till it up. You've got to plant it. You've got to work it out uh, to get your life stronger. Um, you won't have a strong life by just letting life happen to you. You've heard so many times, well, whatever happens, happens. No, <laughs> that's not right. God has, God has called us to do something. He has given us authority and dominion over this earth, and we're called to bring heaven here every single day. We, have to, we, we must have strong lives rooted in God's word, in his love, led by his spirit, empowered by his grace. And God hasn't called us to wallow in our sin because he's overcome our sin. He's defeated the power of sin. Now, that doesn't mean that sin doesn't exist, doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle with temptation. It doesn't mean that, that you're not going to necessarily not sin anymore the rest of your life, but what it means is you don't have to sin anymore, that you're not a slave to it anymore because he's overcoming it, and he's given us the power to overcome it every single time because every time temptation comes, his power is available to us. I want to read in Romans, Romans 7, a little bit of Romans 7 and into Romans 8, starting in verse 14. It says, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows me that I agree the law is good. So I'm the one doing wrong, not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in, we, in me that does it. Golly, Paul. <laughs> Can't even read this. Just all, he's all over the place. He's a mess. He said, I've, I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And I'm sure we've all been at that place before. Verse 25 is the key, though. Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. See you how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Chapter 8, so there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, and the body that God declared an end to sin's control over us, giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied, who no longer who no longer follows us in for nature, but instead follows the spirit. 
Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your minds leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never obeys God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you, verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives life because you've been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Verse 12, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But through the power of the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of this nature. You will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. I know that's a mouthful, but it, it makes my point tonight. If we're a believer, we have a choice. We have a choice not to sin. We have a choice not to give in to temptation. But I've heard so many people read the end of Romans chapter 7 and, and say, See, look, Paul struggled with sin. And they use it as justification to sin, to give in to their temptation. And that's not what all Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about a Christian who's trying to do it by himself, who's trying to live under the law and not using the Spirit's power because he clearly says in chapter 8 that you've been filled with the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You don't have to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. We've been given a strong will, a will that lives on the inside of us that has freed us from the power of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are children of God. So are we going to let our flesh control our will or our spirit control our will? God has offered us freedom from sin and the power to do his will, but we have to be strong-willed. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is having a strong will and how a strong will will build a strong life. Having a strong will to stand against your temptations, a strong will to train your appetites, your desires, your passions. The definition of will is the, the power of control, the power of control that the mind has over its own actions, the power of choosing one's own actions. That's what our will is. Now, have any of you ever had a strong-willed child? <laughs> a few hands. What do you do with a strong-willed child? You have to win. You have to win. You have to drive out rebellion. <laughs> you can't let, I, I, the best is when they just straighten their back out and stick their feet in the ground. I've got a one and a half year old starting to do that now. When you tell him no or he can't have something, he's starting to stiffen that back out. And as a parent, you're, you have to drive that out of him. You have to drive out the rebellion. You have to win. We have to do the same thing with our rebellion towards God. Paul, the apostle Paul said that he beat his body into submission but we have to reverse it. We need to have that same defiant attitude towards sin. As we come under and submit to God's will, we turn that defiance against our flesh. And whenever temptation comes up, God gives us that strong will to stand against it and not give into it. We wage war against our flesh. We wage war against our sin. Now, God, God gave us a free will. He gave us the choice on purpose. He put two trees in the garden in Genesis chapter 2, and he said, Adam, you can eat of one, but you can't eat of the other. You can't eat of the knowledge of the tree of, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do, you'll surely die. Now, the reason God did this is because of his nature. 
He's not setting us up for punishment. He's setting us up for reward. Because if there's not true two trees, we can't be rewarded for making the right choice. We would just be his robots. We wouldn't even have a will. We would just be forced to love him, and that's not God wanted. He wanted us to choose him. And if there is no choice, we can't say that we have a free will. But how do we move this free will into a strong will where we choose God every time? How do we have a strong will that chases after the things of God, a will that lines up with his will, a trained will that is naturally repulsed by evil, that's been transformed by the revelation of the knowledge of God, a will that longs to build his kingdom every day? I want to talk about two men in the Bible real quick. The first one comes from Genesis chapter 39. Familiar story, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers because he had dreams and he started boasting about them and they got jealous because he was the favorite and he got a fancy coat. And so they sold him into slavery and he got sent off to Egypt and he was bought by this captain, captain of Pharaoh named, named Potiphar. And everything that Joseph did, he worked his tail off and God blessed him and he had favor and Joseph put him in charge of his whole household. Well, Potiphar's wife, or Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his whole household and Potiphar's wife says that she began to look at him lustfully. Uh Uh-oh. And it was day after day that she was looking at him lustfully and she began to say Joseph come to bed with me Joseph come sleep with me Joseph and it says every time he was telling her no he said your husband has given me everything in his household except for you but it's interesting he said how could I commit this sin against God he didn't say commit the sin against Potiphar God was his first priority he was interested in lining up his will with God's will and he was resisting this woman and it says that he went out of his way to stay out of her way that's a strong will right there. And there's a, it says that there was a time that came that all the men of the house were gone and it was just him and her. And she came and grabbed him and tried to pull him into bed and it ripped his clothes off and he ran away. And she starts screaming and he gets, he gets thrown in prison. But he goes to prison and he becomes the warden's favorite and he put, he's in charge of the prison. What prisoner gets put in charge of the whole prison? He's blessed, and because he did the right thing, he eventually is elevated to second in charge over all of Egypt and eventually saves the whole nation of his people because he had a strong will to stand against temptation. Now, there's another man in the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 11, King David. And King David had a very weak will. King David was supposed to be at war, and he stayed home, and he was taking a midday nap. That would be awesome. <laughs> Midday nap. Sounds like a good thing. But it was, he was supposed to be at war, and he's walking around on his roof in his flip-flops, just chilling, looking out, and he sees a naked woman bathing on a roof. And he doesn't turn away. He gives in to his passion. He gives in to his desire. He gives in to his weakness. And he finds out who she is. Bathsheba has an affair with her. And then he gets her, when she becomes pregnant, he gets her husband killed. So now David is an adulterer and a murderer. Weak will. 
So we have a man, Joseph, who kept his mind, his heart, his will in the kingdom of God. We have another man who let his mind, his heart, wander from the kingdom of God. David became satisfied, apathetic, felt like he arrived, and he let his guard down. Joseph spent his whole life chasing dreams, spent his whole life chasing the will of God. One man kept his eyes on what God had called him to do, and the other one let his eyes wander. Luke 10, 27 says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Love God with everything in you. And I think this is the key to having a strong will. In order to have a strong life, it's going to take everything that you got. It's going to take all your strength. And even in all your strength, you're still too weak. We're still too weak even in our own strength. If we could be strong enough, then let's just dismiss the cross of Christ. He came so that he could impute his strength to us. Jesus came to give us, give us his strength. He came to fill us with his spirit. In order to have a strong life, we're going to have to be strong-willed. We're going to have to purpose some resolution in our hearts and our minds. Our purpose is going to have to direct our appetites. Our purpose is going to have to direct our passions. Our purpose is going to have to direct our will. And I want you to know this. If you cannot strong-arm your passions, they're going to strong-arm you. If you can't strong-arm your passions, they're going to strong-arm you. What, I'm, what I mean by that is if you can't control your passions, your passions are going to control your life and destroy it. King David was a very passionate man. And that's not a bad thing. That's fine. He very passionately worshipped God, which was awesome. Worshipped God so much, one time his clothes fell off and his wife was embarrassed. He wrote half the Psalms. He passionately loved the Lord. He was known as the man after God's own heart, but when, he let, when David let his passions control him, he slept with a woman who wasn't his wife and then murdered her husband. He, and he suffered consequences from that one decision for the rest of his life because he had a weak will. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls like a city broken into and left without walls. There's nothing strong about a city without walls. You can't keep anything safe. An enemy will come in and take whatever he wants. And our self-control is like walls that are around us so the enemy can't come in and steal our joy. So the enemy can't come in and steal our marriage. So the enemy can't come in and steal our finances, our kids, our health. Being self-controlled, having a strong will is the very foundation of living a righteous life. We have, we have the power to bring our sin under control, but we must control our passions. King David was a man of great passion that moved deep into the heart of his father God, but also moved him deep into sin. Jesus was a very, very passionate man. We read through the Gospels and we see many times where Jesus is moved to compassion when he sees people. Yeah, I think about the woman with the issue of blood. When she reached and touched him, Jesus didn't have to turn around. He could have kept on going. When Jesus was walking into the city and he saw the, he saw the widow on the way to fu the funeral of her son, and he was moved with compassion, he didn't have to go out of his way to raise her son back to life. When Lazarus died, he was moved to tears. John eleven thirty five 35 is two words. Jesus wept, and I think it's one of the most powerful things in all the Bible to see our Savior moved to tears, that he was moved with compassion. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them, and so he wanted to feed them. 
It's amazing to see everywhere where Joseph is moved, uh, Joseph, I'm sorry, everywhere where Jesus, too many J names in here, everywhere where Jesus is moved with great compassion, great power follows. Great transformation takes place. Great miracles happen. And I think if we can model our lives after that, that the same things will happen around us. I want to challenge us that the same thing can happen in our lives if we walk in the same passion that Jesus walked in, the same will that Jesus walked in. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, talks about imitating God and in everything that you do, walk in love. And so that means we're supposed to walk. We're supposed to imitate God. We're supposed to imitate Jesus. We're supposed to walk just like he walked. Jesus was a man with a strong will, but he was a man with a, with a strong will because he surrendered his own will. John 12, 49, John 12, 49 and 5, 19, Jesus says that he only says what the Father tells him to say, and he only does what the Father tells him to do. His will was surrendered. In Luke 22, verse 42, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood because he's so stressed. And he says, Father, let, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. And only if we have this mindset, we'll be able to control our flesh, we'll be able to put to death our flesh, we'll be able to live by the Spirit's power. If that's our constant heart cry, not my will, but yours be done. Because he has the strong will that he wants to put on the inside of us so that we can have a strong life. It doesn't matter what we feel like doing. Jesus did not, obviously did not feel like going to the cross. He was sweating blood. He did not feel like going to the cross. It doesn't matter what we feel like doing or what we want to do. It matters what God tells us to do. If, if we live life by our feelings, we're going to have a very weak will. We're going to have a very weak life. And if we live life by what, what we feel like or what we feel is right, then our feelings are are our God and God is not our God. Is your willpower strong enough to overcome what you feel like doing? See, do your feelings determine truth or do you filter your feelings through what is true? Do feelings determine your truth or do you filter your feelings through what is true? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that God will not give us any temptation greater than we can bear, that he will always provide us a way out. God doesn't, give us, God doesn't give us appetites to torture us. He doesn't give us desires to torture us. He gives them to us to train us. Say you need to lose weight. Do you have the willpower to walk by that dessert? At night, when you get home from work and you're tired, do you have the willpower to turn off the TV and play with your kids? If you're looking at things on your cell phone or your laptop, do you have the willpower to break it and get rid of it? Some people want more responsibility from God, but they don't have the willpower to get out of bed in the morning and be on time for work. We want God to bless our finances, but we don't have the willpower not to spend more than we make. We want God to bless our marriage, but we don't have the willpower to stop looking at pornography. 
Speaking of pornography, let's just talk about it for a second. Many statistics show that it's just as bad inside the church as it is outside the church. I read a stat today from Covenant Eyes that said 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women admit to watching pornography at least once a month. Over half of divorce cases, one of the partners has an obsessive interest in pornography. Nine out of ten boys will see pornography before they turn 18. And the I have a PDF file on my laptop that is over 54 pages of statistics on pornography. The most popular porn site on the internet as of last year, there were so many videos viewed on it that it was enough for every man, woman, and child on the planet, of our, planet Earth to watch a video 11 times. One website. The church has got to be different. We've got to be set apart from the world. We've got to let, see, pornography, so, it's just like any addiction. It does the same thing to your brain that hard drugs do. It rewires your brain. It releases dopamine in your brain. It does the same thing to your brain that heroin does to it. And that's why we can't stop. And men, if we're going in the bathroom and we're looking at pornography on our cell phones, you're going to be attracted to this and not your wife. How are you going to have a strong marriage? If you don't have a strong will, we've got to overcome this. Parents, if your teenager comes to you and say that they're watching porn, don't freak out. Because if you freak out, they're never going to come to you again. (laughs) As a parent, if they're coming and admitting this to you, it's because they want your help. And you've got to train them how to have a strong will. So many times our young ones come and they say that they're looking at pornography or that they want to have sex and so we're just going to pray for them. Well, I mean, that, that's okay. But they're going to want to have sex until they have sex. I mean, it's just God, God gave them a sexual appetite. He, he put that desire inside of them. And so you, you don't pray for them. They're, I mean, they're, you're going you're to freak them out and they're never going to come back to you again. You train them how to control it. You raise them up. You train them how to overcome it. And you check in on them. And you ask them how it's going. And you, you develop a plan with them on how to overcome it. We have to make our will submit to God's will. A lot of times... Affairs are pre- prevalent in the church. And we've got to understand that God's will is for us to never have an intimate relationship with another human being besides the one that we're married to. But you don't understand, my wife doesn't this or my husband doesn't that. That's your feelings. That's having a weak will. Maybe what you struggle with is greed. Your will can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. <laughs> You can't love God and money. How much is your integrity worth? Maybe you struggle with pride. It takes a strong will to serve people. It's easy to let other people serve you. 
It's easy to boss people and not lead people. It's easy to think better of yourself instead of walk, walking humbly before all. It takes a strong will to be a meek person. It takes a real strong will to humble yourself and apologize and ask for forgiveness and make things right and admit that you were wrong. That is so hard. That's one of the hardest things is when I let my mouth get away from me in the house or something and I've got to humble myself before my wife or before my kids and apologize. It takes a strong will. It takes a strong will to, admit to, uh, to submit to authority. Maybe anger is what you, you, what you struggle with. How do you talk to your wife and kids? How do you act when things don't go your way at work? How do you act when you get a flat tire? Do we throw fits like my three-year-old does? How do you respond to frustration? You know, if you'll just be ready to be frustrated, it's not that bad. Just be, just be ready for your day to not go the way that you're planning on it to go, and it won't be that bad. <laughs> and maybe look, for every, maybe look for an opportunity in every situation. Maybe you got a flat tire for a reason. Maybe the guy that pulled over to help you needs to hear about Jesus today. And maybe when things don't go your way at work, realize that other people are watching you because they know you're a Christian and they want to see how you respond. What kind of will do you have? Students, cheating, laziness, apathy, that's easy. It takes a strong will to do the work. It takes a strong will to study, to make the grade. It's easy to cheat. It's easy to be lazy. It's easy to not care. Alcohol, prescription meds, marijuana is now legal. Oh, come on, man. It's legal. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, Paul says, but I will not be mastered by anything. Come on, man. It's legal. It'll master you. I don't know what to say. Don't ever ask how anything benefits you. Ask how it benefits the kingdom. Before you smoke that, before you drink that, how does that benefit the kingdom of God? Does this produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life or in the lives of others? 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, stay sober, stay awake. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. For your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If I'm awake and I'm sober and I've got the armor of God on, a lion ain't going to get me. But after one drink, it's easy to take two. After one hit, it's easy to take another. And before you know it, your whole life is consumed with it. Well, I'm struggling with one of these things and I've tried and I, I can't give up. I've tried to stop so many times. How? Good news for you tonight. You just surrender. You surrender your will to God's will. You abdicate your willpower to Jesus. I'm not trying to beat anybody up tonight. I want to help you become stronger. To become stronger, we've got to deal with our sin. And come in here on Wednesday night and let's help. Let's get stronger and stronger together because our relationship with God is not going to become stronger if we continue to sin. 1 John 2, 4, clear as day. Our faith, our love is not going to grow stronger if we don't walk in ongoing repentance. If we don't change the way that we think, 
That's what repentance means. It means not just repentance. The Greek word metanoia means change the way you think. It doesn't mean just turning away from sin. It means changing the way you think about everything, about taking on the mind of Christ. Christ gives us this ability. And listen, Christ doesn't say clean yourself up and then you come in. He says invite me in and let me help you get cleaned up. Because we don't have the power to overcome it on our own. We will be defeated without the help of the Spirit. We have to use the power of the Holy Spirit. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. We amplify the power of the flesh all the time. We like that last part. My spirit's willing, God, but my flesh is so weak. Why don't we amplify the first part? Because God's God's spirit is so much stronger than the weakness of your flesh. It's so much stronger than the weakness of your flesh. Amplify the power that's in you. 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit of God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline, self-control. That's his will in you, power, love, self-discipline. The key to a strong will is surrendering your will. Give up control of your life to him because you're not going to be able to white-knuckle the steering wheel of your life. You can't just try harder. You have to surrender to him. You start this every day. Every day you wake up. Every day when my feet hit the floor, one of the first things I say is, God, today is your day. Not my will, but yours be done. I crucify my flesh right now, God, and everything I'm doing today is about you and your kingdom. Galatians 2.20, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We love to quote that, but do we live that out every day? No longer I who live. Think about that. That means I'm dead. That means Josh Barnett is dead. That means Christ controls me. That means Christ makes the decisions. Christ is the father of my kids. Christ is the husband of my wife. Christ is the employee at my job. He controls me. He makes every decision for me. Mark 8, 35, if anyone is to be considered worthy of being my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and come after me. See, I can't do it on my own. I make a really terrible God of my own life. (laughs) Really terrible God of my own. I mess things up bad when I'm the one calling the shots. But when I go to prayer about everything, when I get in the word, okay, well, how does Christ make all of your decisions? How does he... In here, he makes decisions for my finances. He tells me how I'm supposed to be an employee. He shows me how I'm supposed to be a husband. He shows me how I'm supposed to train my kids. In here, do we get on our knees and listen to his whisper? Do we study his word to find out? Because that's where he imputes that strong will on the inside of you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He gives me strength to overcome my trials, my sufferings, my passions, my temptations, my thoughts, my mouth, my life. He gives me power to overcome it. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. Stop talking about it and let his power help you do it. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful lust, but he doesn't stop there. You pursue righteousness. This text shows me that I don't just run from sin, but I'm actually pursuing something. I'm actually pursuing the kingdom. Romans 12, I renew my mind with the word. I'm transformed by the word. Philippians 4, 8, think on these things. What's true, what's honorable, what's pure, what's lovely, what's worthy of praise. I'm pursuing that. Our passions, our appetites, our desires are like fire. And when fire is controlled, it does amazing things. But when fire gets out of control, it destroys 
Is your home on fire with the love of God? Or is, it, is your home burning down behind you because of your lust? Because of your addiction? Because of your anger? We have to have a strong will so that we can bring God's will here on earth as it is in heaven. So we're, we've got to move our strong will past just overcoming temptation, sinful desires, passion, but bringing his will to the world around us. We bring his will to our job, our homes, our school, our community. Does it bother you that there's places in our community, in our city, in our nation, and in our world that the banner of Christ does not fly? That there are places where his name is not magnified or even known? Does that keep you up at night? Because it does me. Where is the man who paces his home at night and says, not my will but yours be done, God? Put your strong will inside of me. Let me bring it to the world. Lord, I'll go, I'll do anything. As your life is becoming stronger and stronger, are you worried about those that are around you and pulling the pulling them up so that they can also become stronger and stronger. How is your life a city on a hill? Kings and queens left their thrones to come sit at the feet of Solomon. Is your strong will moving moving you into a place where people say, there's something different about you? You don't talk to your wife the way that everybody else does. You don't handle your, what's the secret to your finances? What's the secret to the way that you handle your business? Your kids don't act like everybody else's kids. What are you doing? Not my will be done, but yours, Father, in my business. Not my will with my family, but yours. Not my will in my finances, but yours. Not my will, God, in my school, but yours. Do you get into your word to find out what his will is? It takes a strong will to surrender to the Father's will. A strong will lines up with the will of heaven. And so tonight, the cry of Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a strong will. Y'all stand with me tonight. God, we're grateful to you. We're thankful that we get to come in here and study your word. God, I just as the word went forth tonight, Lord, I just ask that revelation would take place in our hearts and our minds and you would show us how to become more like you, how to become more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power as we leave this place that we would have a strong will to overcome our temptations, to overcome our sin. God, to chase after your kingdom, to build your kingdom in this community, to build your kingdom in the lives of others. God, give us a strong will to overcome our anger, to overcome our lust. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power tonight. God, we thank you for sending your son. And God, we, we say tonight, not our will, but yours be done in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store. For more information and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.